hum ra ta runa 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 run ta hora kumba kumba nun ta hora hara lamba nun ta lamba tara munda run ta munda ram ta runda ram ta munda lamba munda tom. The wise God, the wise God, be ringed and barred with doors of stone. The wise God, be strong and hard and cold as stone and bare as bone. We go, we go, we go to war to hew the stone and break the door. For bowl and bow are burning now, the furnace roars, we go to war. To land of gloom with tramp of doom, with roll of drum, we come, we come. To wise God, with doom we come, with doom we come, with doom we come. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Radio, the one podcast to rule them all. The home of Lord of the Rings Radio is LOTRradio.com. This is episode 8, and it is January 2006. I want to start out by apologizing for the late date that episode 8 is being released. I intended to have it out in December, but with holidays and sickness and a few other things, I just couldn't get around to it until now. So I apologize for that. I hope everyone had a happy holidays and a good new year, and I wish everyone a happy new year for 2006. I've added a new feature for episode 8. We're going to have a news segment, and this has been suggested by a few listeners. And how I foresee it working is, hopefully, for each month we'll get some suggestions for news items to have in the podcast, either emailed to me or posted in the forum, and I will uh, put those up in each episode. And these news items can be you know, events that are going on or just announcements that you'd like to be made. Um, I'm also thinking that perhaps we can have a regular news anchor, sort of a a listener that contributes, and uh, either someone that does it every month or each month, we could have maybe a guest news anchor that kind of helps me out here and does their own news segment for the podcast. Uh, Just an idea I had, so if anyone's interested in that or if anyone has any other ideas about a news segment or any ideas for news pieces to have in the news segment, uh, either go to our website, lotrradio.com, and put it in there, or you can email me at aaronawolf at gmail.com. That's A-A-R-O-N-A-W-O-L-F-E at gmail.com. Okay, so for episode 8, we're going to start out with our news segment. Uh, Our first feature is going to be a discussion of kind of the history of Tolkien's work, kind of a bibliography of, of everything Tolkien's written. So there's a lot of lesser-known stuff that I think people should give a chance and look into. Then for a uh, review this month, I'm going to review Roverandum, a book by J.R.R. Tolkien. For our character discussion, we're going to discuss Galadriel. And then to finish off, we have two uh, listener contributions for the end of the episode. Okay, so what is going on in the world of Tolkien in January this month? Uh, the first thing I have for you is a One Ring Celebration, or ORC for short. Uh, what this is, is the official convention for Lord of the Rings fans, at least according to New Line Cinema, it's official. And this is put on by Celebration Entertainment and the One Ring.net. Uh, basically, it's just a big get-together for Tolkien fans. Uh, it is January 20th, 21st, 22nd, Pasadena, California at the uh, Pasadena Center. And what it is, I've never been there myself. I'm not going to get there this year either, but hopefully someday I can make it. Uh, it's just a big get-together. Uh, Friday night there's a costume competition. Uh, Saturday night they've got some entertainment, looks like uh, musical segments, Hobbit Sisters singing Gandalf karaoke. And then Sunday morning there is a brunch and charity auction with Billy Boyd. They've got a lot of guest stars showing up, a lot of people from the movie. Elijah Wood, Sean Austin, Billy Boyd, 
uh, Miranda Otto, John Noble, Daniel Reeve are all signed up to be there. So uh, sound like a lot of fun. Be really cool to meet some of those uh, uh, actors from the movies, and, and it'd be just really cool to get together with a lot of other big Tolkien fans. Uh, so you can check that out. Uh, I'm sure you can go to the One Ring.net. Uh, they've got a link there to to purchasing tickets. I'll put a link up at our website too, lotrradio.com, if you want to check that out. If you're a Lord of the Rings fan and you live in Toronto or nearby, you're in luck because there's a couple events coming up this year in Toronto. Uh, the first is the Lord of the Rings musical. This is a world premiere of an original theatrical production of Lord of the Rings. It's opening at Prince of Wales Theatre in Toronto on the 2nd of February. Uh, you can go to playbill.com. The address is playbill.com slash L-O-T-R. There's a couple clips and some other things you can see about the the musical. They've got some packages with accommodations and tickets to the musical. Uh, so check that out. That's playbill.com slash L-O-T-R. I'll put a link on the website also. Coming up in Toronto a little later this year is the Gathering of the Fellowship. This is taking place in downtown Toronto, July 1st through the 4th, at the Sheraton Centre Toronto Hotel. And I'll probably talk about this a little more in a, a later episode. I just want to get it out there now so people know about it. Uh, John Howe is going to be there, and they're going to have a documentary about him and uh, exhibit of some of his artwork. I'm sure between now and then they'll announce some other uh, folks that are going to be there. So uh, keep that on your calendar if you're near Toronto. It's something you may want to check out. Also going on in February is the Lord of the Rings Symphony in Cleveland, Ohio. This is the Cleveland Orchestra and Chorus featuring Howard Shore's score from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Also, they're going to have on display their original illustrations from Alan Lee and John Howe. This is at Severance Hall in Cleveland, Ohio. It's going on February 10th through the 12th. And you can get more information at clevelandorchestra.com. Also coming up this year, uh, the Dutch Tolkien Society is celebrating the 50th anniversary of the first Dutch translation of Lord of the Rings. Uh, this celebration is going on June 9th through the 11th. It sounds like they've got a lot of cool stuff lined up. Uh, it says various workshops, uh, panel discussions, sword fighting shows, fireworks, and much more. You can check that out at their website. Uh, it's uquendor.nl. That's U-N-Q-U-E-N-D-O-R dot N-L. Final little bit of news I have this month is for all you Tolkien collectors out there, uh, Sideshow Toy just recently got the license to make 12-inch action figures for Lord of the Rings. And uh, my wife says, well, 12-inch action figure is just a doll. Uh, but they look pretty cool. They just announced the first one's going to be Aragorn as Strider, uh, 12-inch, just went on sale for pre-order. I think they're going to ship them uh, later half of this year. So you can go to sideshowweta.com is, is the best address to go to to pre-order that if you're at all interested. Well, that is all the news I have for this episode. I just want to remind you, if you have any news, events, or announcements that you want to have in the podcast, I would be happy to, to put them in. You can go to lotrradio.com or you can email them to me, aaronawolf at gmail.com. Also, if, if you want to contribute and maybe do our news segment, be a guest news anchor uh, or whatever, have any suggestions, please go to the website or email them to me. For our feature today, we're going to basically explore the bibliography of J.R.R. Tolkien. We've all uh, 
we all know about The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, and The Silmarillion, and, and a few others, but there's a lot of other stuff that Tolkien wrote that I think many of us would be interested in reading. You know, I basically want to read everything he wrote eventually, and I've gotten through a lot of it, not not all of it, so we're just going to kind of go through the his bibliography, and I'll give my thoughts on what I've read and what I haven't read and what I'm looking forward to. If you go to wikipedia.com, they've got a nice little page on Tolkien, and uh, at the bottom they've got a bibliography, which is what I'm going to use for the episode, so if you want to go to Wikipedia and check it out, I suggest you do so. The bibliography they have is separated into three sections, fiction and poetry, academic works, and posthumous publications. We're going to start with fiction and poetry, and the first item they have on the list, and it's chronological, 1936. It's uh, Songs for the Philologist, which he wrote with E.V. Gordon. Uh, now, apparently, this is one of the hardest uh, works of Tolkien to find. Um, when he was at Leeds, he and E.V. Gordon founded a Viking club for undergraduates. And the information I find on it says that this club was devoted mainly to reading Old Norse sagas and drinking beer. Uh, and, and what uh, Tolkien and Gordon did was... Uh, came up with these set of songs, traditional Old Norse and Gothic songs, and they used the original verses and translated into Old English, and then fit them to traditional English tunes. So that is apparently what Songs for the Philologist is about. Um, you know, on a scale of, you know, if a Tolkien fan should read this or not, I think anyone who's really serious about Tolkien should read it. Um, but if you're just a fan of the movies or just a huge fan of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and that, it's probably something you might want to skip over since it's probably not at all related to, to Middle-earth or any of the stories that, that take place there. But I think, of course, like much of what Tolkien wrote, I mean, this is where he was getting his inspiration from. So I think reading it might provide some insight to the ideas and the themes that he puts forth in Lord of the Rings. Okay, the next uh, publication on the list is the 1937 release of The Hobbit. And I'm not going to really go into detail there. Of course, everyone needs to read The Hobbit. And uh, we've talked about it before on the podcast, and we'll talk about it again, I'm sure. So I'm not going to say anything more right now about that. Um, after The Hobbit, Tolkien released uh, Leaf by Niggle in 1945, which also appears in the Tolkien Reader. And uh, what Leaf by Niggle is, basically, is a short story... Uh, it's it's pretty allegorical um, story about life and death. Uh, Niggle is a painter who is trying to uh, uh, paint this picture of a, a tree, taking particular attention to the detail of the leaves. And and um, throughout the story, he's trying to prepare for this trip, and uh, he never really prepares completely before for it before he has to take it. And it, that's kind of uh, a symbolization of of his death, I believe. And, you know, I don't want to go into a big an analysis on all these stories. Maybe we'll talk about this more in a future episode. Uh, but it is something I think all Tolkien fans should read. I think everybody should have a copy of the Tolkien Reader, because uh, there's a lot of good good stuff in there. So, uh, yeah, I think everybody should check out Leaf by Niggle. In 1945, Tolkien also published The Lay of a Trow in a Throne. And uh, this is one I haven't read. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. So somebody please correct me if I'm not. Uh, it's a poem. 
and the information I find on it says that it explores the conflict of heroic values and Christianity. Uh, so this is something I definitely want to read, but again, it's probably nothing that is very related to the world of Middle-earth, so many of you may not be interested in it, but, you know, if you're a big Tolkien fan, I, I think you should probably check it out. And it seems to be something that you can probably find on the internet that don't think you have to go out and buy it, you know. I'm sure there's a website someplace that's that's got it up if you can look hard enough. In 1949, Tolkien published Farmer Giles of Ham, which is another short story, a medieval fable, and this is one that also appears in the Tolkien Reader. It's a kind of a story that's similar to The Hobbit in that it features an unlikely hero, Farmer Giles, who is this uh, fat, kind of comfortable farmer who manages to scare away Chrysophylax, this dragon with his blunderbuss, which is apparently some sort of firearm. Um, it's a good story. It's uh, got some comedic elements, kind of like The Hobbit, to it. And uh, it's definitely a good read. Another good reason to pick up the Tolkien Reader. In 1953, Tolkien published The Homecoming of Beornoth, Beorhelm's Son, which uh, is probably another thing that I'm pronouncing wrong, so if I am, somebody correct me, please. Uh, and this is basically, uh, it's kind of written as a play uh from the uh, two men after the Battle of Maldon, and it's kind of a um, a window into the scholarly side of Tolkien. Uh, it's you know again not related to Middle Earth at all, but it, it's a good read. Another thing that's in the Tolkien reader, so um, another thing you definitely should read. And then of course in 1954 we have the Lord of the Rings being published. Uh, in 54, The Fellowship of the Ring and the Two Towers came out. And then in 55, The Return of the King. And again, these are all things we've talked about, so I'm not really going to talk about them now. Uh, after The Lord of the Rings, in 1962, we have The Adventures of Tom Bombadil. And uh, this is basically a bunch of uh, verses of the adventures that Tom goes on. Uh, this is, again, a must-read, I think, because this is stuff uh, that, that took place in Middle-earth. So if you're interested in... The World of the Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Uh, this is something you should read. It's about a character, Tom Bombadil, that I think is really interesting. And uh, another one that's in the Tolkien Reader, so one more reason to get that, if you don't already. Yeah. In 1967, uh, Tolkien published Road Goes Ever On, and uh, this is a walking song that, of course, is uh, parts of it are sung at various places in The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. Uh, the Road Goes Ever On is the entire song, as well as uh, sheet music, uh, so if you're a piano guitar player, you can uh, you know try it out. I don't actually have this myself. I'd like to get it just so I can hear the, the rest of the verses, because I'm sure it's something that would be pretty neat to hear. And if I was a musician, I think it'd be pretty neat to play. So definitely something that uh, might be of interest. In 1964, Tolkien published uh, Tree and Leaf, which was Leaf by Nagel accompanied by On Fairy Stories, which is an essay that Tolkien wrote explaining his philosophy on fantasy and on mythologies. Uh, it's a really interesting read. You know, it's nonfiction, so it provides a pretty good look at what Tolkien thought of the type of writing he was doing and, you know, the kind of role it played. And the, this is, again, something that appears in the Tolkien Reader. And I think it's really important if if you're going to read one piece of nonfiction that Tolkien wrote, I think this is it because it 
it really kind of explains how he thought the world of fantasy and, and what these kind of uh, fictional stories should be. And in 1966, we finally get to the Tolkien Reader, which is a compilation of a bunch of the short stories I've talked about. It's got The Homecoming of Baranoth, Barahome's Son. It's got On Fairy Stories, Leaf by Niggle, Farmer Giles of Ham, and The Adventures of Tom Bombadil. Now, this is probably one of the top four or five books. You know, you need to have The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, Silmarillion, uh, Tolkien Reader. It's probably the number fourth. And uh, another real important one, I think, is The Letters of, of Tolkien which I'll get to in a bit. So, uh, Tolkien Reader is one you definitely need to have. In 1967, Tolkien published Smith of Wooten Major, which is another short story. This is one I haven't read. I don't know a whole lot about it, uh, but from what I find, it looks like it's uh, basically another allegory. Uh, they say it's intended to explain the meaning of fairy, which is kind of this uh, other world magical realm. So it's another thing that's uh, probably not the most important thing in regards to the world of Middle-earth, but it's another thing, I think, of course, that gives you a, a better picture of where Tolkien was coming from and what his ideas on some of these themes were. Okay, so that's the last of the uh, stuff that was published in Tolkien's lifetime. So we're going to move on to the posthumous publications. And I'm not going to do everything, but I'm going to highlight what I think is most important. Um, 1976, The Father Christmas Letters were published, and this is something I hadn't read until this December. I got it, and I, I started reading it to my son, and I didn't get through all of it until Christmas was over, and after Christmas, I didn't really want to read it anymore. Uh, but what The Father Christmas Letters is, is a collection of letters that Tolkien actually wrote as Father Christmas uh, that he wrote to his own children. It's really neat. Uh, you know, some years he goes to great length, he draws all these neat pictures which are in the book, and, um, you know, sometimes this, the letters are a page too long, and other years when apparently he didn't have as much time or whatever, uh, he just uh, does a brief little message saying he's really busy, and and that's it. So it, it's really neat. A lot of letters. I mean, he really went to a great effort to uh, to write these letters to his kid. It, it's really cool, and I it's it. It's really neat for me to read them to my son, too. I, I think it's great, and I think uh, any Tolkien fan would, would love this. And in 1977, we've got the Silmarillion being published, which, of course, is very important to the, the world of Middle-earth, uh, something that every Tolkien fan needs to read. Uh, and after uh, the Silmarillion was published in 1980, we have Unfinished Tales, which is another really important thing. I kind of view it as the Silmarillion Volume 2. It's got a lot of stuff that, for one reason or another, they didn't get into the Silmarillion. Got a lot of tales from the First Age. Uh, so those two books, The Silmarillion and Unfinished Tales, two must-reads for Tolkien fans. The next big publication in the world of Tolkien comes in 1983, uh, when they started publishing the History of Middle-Earth series. And uh, what the History of Middle-Earth is, is 12 volumes, and it, it's basically stuff that was compiled by Christopher Tolkien from J.R.R. Tolkien's notes. And it includes different versions of stories that appear in the Silmarillion. It, um, you know, the first, I think, five volumes are all basically uh, Silmarillion-based, you know, First Age, Second Age. And when you get into six, seven, eight, nine, I believe they're all Lord of the Rings. And then... 10 and 11 
uh, go back to the later Silmarillion and Volume 12 is the peoples of Middle-earth. And, you know, I've got kind of mixed feelings on the history of Middle-earth. It brings up a lot of stuff that, you know, some of the stories contradict the stories in the Silmarillion. And I find them hard to read. You know, I I haven't read them all yet. I'm kind of halfway in some of them, and I've skipped others. And I, I plan to go back and read them all. Um, but they are hard to read. But overall, you know, that's another thing that, that just provides more depth. You know, the things that do agree with uh, what's written in the Silmarillion, you know, it provides a lot, a lot more detail to a world that's already, you know, very detailed. So, you know, whether or not these are really necessary, I guess, is questionable. But, um, you know, as a Tolkien fan, of course I want them, and I, I want to read them. So, you know, I think uh, they're definitely worth checking out. You know, there's a lot of extra information in there that you're not going to get anywhere else. Um, but they are difficult to read, so um, you know, take that as a warning. But uh, they're, they're definitely worth the effort. The last work of Tolkien that I'm going to talk about today is Rover Random, and this was released in 1998. I'm going to go a little more in-depth with this. I kind of chose it for the a review this month, uh, because I just got it back in September, and I read it to my little four-year-old son, who, who turned four back in September. We read it together for the first time. So I'm going to talk about it fairly in depth this episode. What uh, Roverandum is, it's a story that Tolkien wrote for one of his sons because uh, his son had just purchased this little toy dog and he lost it. So he was very upset about it. So Tolkien came up with this pretty elaborate story to uh, kind of comfort his son who lost his toy. Uh, so what this story is about is about a dog whose name in the beginning is Rover. And this dog has kind of a bad encounter with a wizard whose name is Artaxerxes. So Rover and Artaxerxes have this encounter, and, well, Rover bites him in the ass. So as punishment, Artaxerxes turns Rover into a toy dog and sends him off to this toy store. Now, that's kind of where Rover's adventure begins. From there, um, he gets purchased and given to a, a little boy who takes him to the beach and loses him and uh, he runs into some sand sorcerer who sends him to the moon and apparently the man in the moon has a dog whose name is also Rover. Can't have two Rovers, so that's where we get the title of the book. Uh, he renames Rover, Roverandum. So the book is basically uh, the tale of all these adventures that Rover goes on. He goes on quite a few and he's, he's a mischievous little little dog so he gets in a bit of trouble and seems to always get out of it. it it's a kid's book. I won't give away the ending, but it uh, ends rather happily. And, you know, it is a kid's book, but it's fairly interesting for adults. I don't know, you know, if I wasn't a big Tolkien and a Lord of the Rings fan, I probably wouldn't read it, wouldn't even know about it. Uh, but it, it's interesting for adults, too. I know, um, reading it to my four-year-old boy, he really enjoyed it. He's a big fan of dragons and, and wizards, and uh, there's a bunch of them in the story, so he really liked those parts. It um, he's a four-year-old and he asks a lot of questions, so it brings up a, a lot of questions, and it's kind of hard to get through because every paragraph he's asking more questions. But that's a good thing. I think we've probably read the thing three or four times by now, and it's a fairly thick book, so it uh, it's not something you can read in one night. But it's it's really good, and it's a good way, I think. You know, if you have young children, a good way to introduce them to the world of Tolkien because it's 
there's no age limit, I don't think. There's no one that's too young for it. I don't think there's anyone who's too old for it, although, you know, a teenager, they're probably not going to be interested in it, unless they're already big Tolkien fans. So I think it's something, if your kids aren't quite ready for the hobby yet, it's something you could give to them or read to them to, to really get them started and get them interested in Tolkien's writing. Okay, so that's all we're going to talk about today uh, with Tolkien's bibliography. So a lot of things I skipped. I didn't go through the uh, academic works. Maybe in a future episode we'll talk about those more. But I do think you know you should check out the Wikipedia website. If you have questions, they've got links to uh, more information on all the individual works. So uh, you should check that out. Uh, if there's any links that I think are significant, I'll put them up on the website. For our character discussion this month, we've chosen Galadriel. And uh, she's an interesting character because she is one of the few characters, and certainly the most prominent character, to have been born in Valinor, beginning of the First Age, and you know to be prominent in stories all the way up to the end of the Third Age. She is the daughter of Finarfin, who is the son of Finwë, and she was born in Valinor during the years of the trees. So she's also one of the few elves left in Middle-earth at the end of the Third Age who have actually seen the, the trees when, when they were in flower. Galadriel came to Middle-earth in the First Age with her brothers uh, in the Noldor in pursuit of Melkor after he stole the Silmarils. And you don't hear a whole lot about her in the First Age. You don't hear a whole lot about her in the Silmarillion. Uh, but she apparently dwelt uh, quite a bit in the halls of Doriath uh, where Thingol was king. And there she met met Celeborn and and fell in love with him. Now I know there are different stories about Celeborn and Galadriel where they met and but I think the uh, final and the official version is that they they met in Doriath. And after the War of Wrath and uh, Beleriand was destroyed, Galadriel and Celeborn journeyed east and uh, and went to Lothlorien. So Lothlorien is where we find Galadriel at the time of the War of the Ring in the Third Age. And that's really what I'm going to focus on today for the character discussion, is Galadriel's part in the War of the Ring and the events that take place in the Third Age. I think when you talk about Galadriel, you need to recognize her as one of the most powerful beings in Middle-earth in the Third Age. And I think it's interesting because I see a lot of similarities between her and Feanor, uh, the, the Forger of the Silmarils in the First Age. I think, um, you know, Feanor refused the, the valor when they, they told him not to leave Valinor. And at the end of the First Age, uh, Galadriel refused to return to Valinor, as many in Noldor did uh, when when the War of Wrath was over and Melkor was defeated. And I think she refused to go back to Valinor as... as um, because her pride would not allow it, you know, she came to Middle-earth and she intended to uh, master it, perhaps. Which was very similar to uh, what Fanor intended when he came to Middle-earth. So we have Galadriel, this uh, very powerful, very proud, headstrong elf. And uh, in the Lord of the Rings, we have Frodo, who just happens to amble into her realm with the, uh, the Ring of Power. So uh, it's a very interesting confrontation, and of course, if all we know of Galadriel, it's the most important thing that she does in the history of Middle-earth. Now, elves are certainly not perfect beings, and I think it's quite clear that Galadriel had a sort of lust for power. She wanted to 
perhaps control things, but in a way, of course, in her mind to make them better. So she was certainly tempted by the ring. Um, quite clearly, uh, Tolkien wanted to make it clear that Galadriel was very tempted by the ring. She wanted to put it on and, of course, use it to make things right. So I think um, Galadriel's triumph, whereas her failing would have been her lust for power, her triumph was knowing that putting on the ring would not bring about the changes that she wanted. It would only, um, perhaps for a time, remove one Dark Lord, but in a time it would corrupt her. So her triumph was really her knowledge and knowing that she did not have the power to control the One Ring. So she was able to put her pride aside and uh, diminish, as she said herself, and return into the West. Now, besides Galadriel and Frodo's interaction, it's also interesting to think about the interaction between Galadriel and Boromir. Boromir certainly saw Galadriel as a sort of sorceress, and as Lothlorien is a very dangerous place. And it's interesting, because you wonder... Certainly, I think Galadriel, in her interaction with Boromir, made him see what it was that he really wanted, whereas... Perhaps before that, he was kind of maybe hiding it from himself. He didn't want to um, make it official that he wanted the ring, and he wanted to take it from Frodo. And perhaps going to Lothlorien and Galadriel could see that that's what Boromir wanted. She could see that he wanted the ring, and by um, kind of confronting him, it made it official in his mind that that was really what he wanted, and perhaps it made him make the decision to uh, try and take the ring from Frodo. Perhaps Galadriel did have some special foresight, and she knew that uh, for Frodo and Sam to go off by themselves, there had to be some traumatic event that would make Frodo split off from the rest of the Fellowship. And uh, maybe Galadriel saw that and knew that she had to kind of force Boromir's hand and make him see that uh, he needed to take the ring. Now, I, you know, that's just kind of a hypothesis. I I don't think you can say, oh, it's Gladriel's fault that, that Boromir tried to take the ring, or that she wanted him to try and take the ring. That's just, you know, something to kick around as an idea. Now, of course, um, Gladriel is also part of this bigger theme of the, the elves and the Noldor who came from Valinor in the First Age, and the story that, um, you know, it's kind of a sad story, the story of the elves and how they they came from Valinor to reclaim what was stolen from them. And, and they stayed, I think, in Middle-earth because they wanted to make things that endured. I think they wanted to have, have a dominion, but to, not in, in a bad sense, but in a, a sense to order things and to make beautiful things. And uh, it's sad that, you know, from the first age to the second age to the third age, they all diminish and um, ultimately fail in their quest of creating something that would endure. Whereas it's men that uh, endure, and, and what the men do in the third age is what lasts, and the elves kind of fade and go away. And I think that's, you know, in all of Tolkien's writing, that's a main theme in many things from the Hobbit to the Lord of the Rings to the Silmarillion is kind of the um, 
the defeat of the elves and the fading of the elves. Okay, well that's all I have to say about Galadriel for this episode. I want to encourage you, if you have any other ideas about Galadriel and you want to discuss her on the website, uh, check it out. Go to lotrradio.com and you know, sign up, start a, start a thread about Galadriel. And uh, if I miss something or if I'm wrong about something, uh, let me know. It's, uh, it's a good place. We've got some, some good members already who are posting quite a bit. And we always want more. We want, want more voices. So uh, with these character discussions, I know a lot of people have different ideas about characters than I do. So if you disagree or you agree or whatever, um, you know, go, to the, go to the website and interact. Our reading this month is a listener contribution, and I want to first thank all the listeners who have sent stuff in to me. There's a couple I haven't gotten to yet, so don't despair if uh, you haven't gotten on the podcast yet. You will. And I want to encourage anyone who's interested to send send stuff in. Yeah, this has been great. It really helps me out. If you have any questions about contributing, you can go to the website, lotrradio.com, or you can email me, and I will try to help you out. This contribution comes to a fellow who's registered on our website by the name of Landrovel, and uh, actually he's changed his name to Radagast now, but this reading comes from Lord of the Rings. It is the message that is sent back to Minas Tirith by a great eagle after Sauron is defeated. Sing now, ye people of the Tower of Anor, for the realm of Sauron is ended forever. And the dark tower is thrown down. Sing and rejoice, ye people of the Tower of Guard, for you watch hath not been in vain. And the black gate is broken, and your king hath passed through, and he is victorious. Sing and be glad, all ye children of the West, for your king shall come again, and he shall dwell among you all the days of your life. And the tree that was withered shall be renewed, and he shall plant in the high places, and the city shall be blessed. Sing, all ye people. That's it for episode 8 of Lord of the Rings Radio. You can look for episode 9 to be released hopefully late January. I'm going to try to get it out yet this month. It might slip into February. Of course, I'm never on time, so <laughs> you know what to expect. Um, anyway, we've got a new uh, poll up for the character discussion for next episode. If you have any uh, ideas uh, for the next episode or for future episodes, go to the website, lotrradio.com. Uh, what I've got planned so far for episode 9 is uh, kind of an overview of the different gaming options there are for Tolkien's, both video games, board games, and other things. We've got a thread on the forum if you have any ideas for that. So until next episode, thanks for listening. Them alive. Or stew them in a pot. Fry them, boil them, eat them hot. Bake and toast them, fry and roast them till beards glaze and eyes glaze till hair swells and skins crack. Fat melts and bones, black and cinders lie beneath the sky. So Fifteen birds in pine fir trees, their feathers were fanned. In a fiery breeze, but funny little birds, they had no wings.